you brought them and open to the book of Jonah. And I have to admit, Jonah is the one in the Bible that I really have to think about for a minute to go find where it is. So if you have a Bible like mine, it's on page 1031. Uh, if you don't, it's between Obadiah and Nahum. You know, it's always one of those ones, I don't know why, it's always one of those books that I have to kind of find. Most of them I can turn right to in whatever Bible, but it's one that I have to find. Now, don't tune out on me just because you know the story of Jonah. Because you probably don't know the story of Jonah. Because the story of Jonah is not about the great big fish. Oh, that's not the story. That's not what God wanted to get across. I just want everybody to know that I could cause this great big fish. Now, if I use the word fish or whale, you understand, but we read the scripture as a great big fish. People have tried to figure out for years exactly what it was. But we want to look today um, at Jonah. And, you know, one of the things that we see about people in the Bible, aren't you glad that your failures aren't listed in the scriptures for eternity? Right? Isn't Jonah one of the guys you want to meet in heaven? Now, tell me about, you know, what you did. In fact, I kind of summed it up this way uh, in my notes. Chapter 1, you could say, Jonah would say, I won't go. Chapter 2 is, okay, I'll go. Chapter 3 would be, all right, here I am. And then chapter 4 would be, I knew I shouldn't have come. <laughs> and we're not just reading about anybody. We're reading about God's prophet. This is his ministry assignment that he's going to be given this word of God to carry out. And he just flat out doesn't want to do it. But before we read in, in Jonah, you know, if you, you'll see as we read his name, Jonah, his name means a dove. That's what his name means. And I love looking up names and finding out what they, what they mean. But it means a dove. His last name or where his father was from means trustworthy or trusted. So really what you could say about him is he's calm, trusted, and truthful. And yet, in a minute, that's not what we're going to see at all. We're not going to see somebody that's come. You remember Jesus said this to the disciples. When you go out into the villages, be wise as serpents and as harmful as what? Doves. Well, here we have this, this dove that's going to have a different perspective on things. He's not going to like the assignment. You know, and I, and I thought about this. If I said this, in fact, you can respond by raising your hands. If I said, hey, I'm really excited. I've got a great announcement, but we're going to need some help for a couple weeks. We're going to open a new church campus in Maui. How many of you could come for a couple weeks and help? Okay. I mean, we got a few hands. Right. So you go, hey, I've been praying for that. No, right. Now, if I said the exact opposite and said, we're going to open a new campus, it's going to be in the Mojave Desert. How many of you would come on out for a couple weeks and help out? You'd be like, yeah, you're on your own. <laughs> well, why? Location, location, right? Location. Prophet doesn't get to pick who he gets to go to. He goes because God said it. And regardless of what he thought would happen, you go because the word of God sent you. So let's pick this up in the book of Jonah. I just want to go through chapter one today. We'll pick this back up again next week. 
But I want to go through chapter one, and uh, I've underlined a ton in my Bible just to kind of stop and pause because the word of the Lord comes to us as well too. And it's what we do with what he says to do is so important. Jonah chapter one, verse one, hopefully you found it, page 1031 if you hadn't, it says this. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amtai, saying, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid a fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent, in fact, let me give you the Hebrew word sent here, is the word hurled. I like when I read that. Let me read it that way. The Lord hurled out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. Then the mariners, the mariners were afraid, and every man cried out to his God, and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship. He lay down and was fast asleep. So the captain came to him and said to him, What do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots, that we may know for whose cause this trouble has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. I put my mouth, of course, right? The lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, please tell us, for whose cause is this trouble upon us? What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country, and of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, Why have you done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he told them. And they said to him, what shall we do to you that the sea may be calm for us? For the sea was growing more tempestuous. And he said to them, pick me up and throw me into the sea, and the sea will become calm for you. For I know this great tempest is because of me. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring the ship to land, but they could not. For the sea continued to grow more temp it's tempestuous against them. You ever use that word? No, you don't. You know, the traffic today was just tempestuous. You, know, you don't use that, that word at all. Therefore they cried out to the Lord and said, We pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life, and do not charge us with innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it has pleased you. 
So they picked up Jonah, threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Let me go back to verse 1 through 3. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise and go. Everybody say, Arise and go. That's how God says it, right? Arise and go, and he throws in the city, to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of God. In fact, look at the last part of the verse. From the presence of the Lord again, he fleed. So Lord, as we read through these scriptures today, our focus is not the great fish. It's not the wind. It's not the boat. It's not those exciting elements of the story. It's your heart for people. But many times we look and we see Jonah on the inside of us. And Lord, we want to root that out. So when you say, arise and go, we go and we trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. So it's his assignment, right? He may not like Nineveh. It's his assignment. You know, I was trying to think through that. There's not a lot that we get to see in the scripture of Jonah except for these four chapters. But there is one other verse. Um, and I'll just reference it. It's 2 Kings chapter 14, verse 25. And it mentions that Jonah prophesied restoration over the land of Israel. So the only other time that we see that he prophesies is in that one verse. And the prophetic word that God gave him to use was in restoration of the land. Now, as a prophet, you would think he's praying. He's asking God for a word for his people. Praying and praying and waiting and waiting. He's awaiting for the arise and go moment. And he gets the arise and go moment, but he's not going to go. He doesn't like those people. He doesn't want to go to Nineveh. He's going to dig his feet. In fact, it's not even that he's not going to go. He's going to go and he's going to buy a ticket. In fact, I want to put up a quick image uh, on the screen to kind of show us a little bit of how close it would have been for him to go to Nineveh versus him going all the way to Tarshish. Let me throw it up here real quick. It's 500 miles. Okay, so if we would go, I'm looking at it backwards. 500 miles to Nineveh. 2,000, probably 200 miles to Tarshish. He wasn't not only wanting to get away from the Lord, he was wanting to get as far away as he could from having to go where God wanted him to go. 500 miles, 2,200 miles. And I'm sure you've never done that to God, have you? I'm going to try to get away the best that I can. I didn't really hear what he said. Uh, maybe I heard it different. No, no, God is pretty specific. He's pretty direct. But we get this different picture of Jonah that I'm sure he wished something else was listed in the Bible. You know, 
We all, uh, any people that have been in ministry, uh, you know, Sam has been here. We have several, me, me, others. You've had highs and lows in ministry, haven't you? All of us. I remember when we uh, were pastoring in Garden Grove and we were starting another campus that was going to be at a high school. We had gone and we did a, a Sunday that was just a prep service. And it was basically having to come in and clear out a cafeteria, set up our service, do our service, like prepare to do it, clean everything up, time it, you know, find out because the kids were going to be, the little kids were going to be in the teacher lounge and the older kids were in the science room with a six foot tall skeleton, which they loved for a couple of weeks. But we did a trial run. We wanted to be ready. So our very first Sunday and how our church went, we had a, a service, a first service that I did. And then I would drive and head to the high school. And as I was driving to the high school, I was nervous. It was going to be our first service. We had invited people. We'd done door hangers. We had people going, you know, praying, doing all the things that we could do. And as I pulled into Pacifica High School parking lot, the parking lot was packed. I mean, it was a big parking lot. I would guess off my head, got to be two, 300 cars. And I just began to weep. I was crying like a baby. I thought, God, how good you are. Look, we do our part, and look what you do. And I pulled in the lot, and I could hardly find a parking spot. And just before you went into the cafeteria was a bathroom. I went in the bathroom because I'd been crying so much, and I'd wiped my eyes and got water on my face. I didn't want to walk in like super. I was overly emotional. And I, I stepped into the worship that was going on, and there was 30 people. I looked back out in the parking lot, and I looked out. There's a soccer event happening at school. <laughs> Found out that the weekend that we did our practice run, soccer wasn't there, but every other weekend there's soccer. Parking lot was already full. And I remember coming in, and I remember people seeing that, you know, when you, I looked emotional, are you doing okay? And you're, you're just having to, like, fake it then. Oh, yeah, you know, God's so good. Uh, but those are things you don't want to tell people, right? Because those things are embarrassing. But those things happen, but you keep going. Jonah, you should have kept going. God had big plans. In fact, God's going to do one or two things. Either the people of Nineveh are going to repent, or the people of Nineveh are about to get it. And it's not up to you what happens to them. It's up to God, but you just got to do what you've got to do, and let God do what he wants to do. Isn't it interesting when we read in the Bible right away, God calls it a great city. A great city. In fact, it says, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. You know, it doesn't take much to study a little bit of Nineveh. Nineveh today would be on the outskirts of Mosul, Iraq. So if you ever get a picture, it's in the news all the time. Nineveh was in the news just a couple years ago with ISIS having tearing down some of the original ancient walls of Nineveh, right? Place that we read in the Bible that's located in Iraq. But the wickedness was child sacrifice. It's probably one of the, the things that we see in the scripture in all of those different places around that anybody outside of God's influence was in great wickedness. But God is going to do something different He's not raising up an army to go conquer Nineveh. Nineveh has 120,000 people. 
from old to small. In fact, I looked up, Pasadena is about 142,000. So a large city. But God looks at that as some opportunity, and he's looking at Nineveh, and he calls it a great city. But he says, their wickedness has come up before me, and I want you to go, not to fight them as an enemy, but to give them, notice, the word of the Lord came to him. Here again, with our prophets that we look at, God raises up not an army, he raises up a spokesperson. Somebody to speak a word on his behalf. The power of God's word. And so you would have thought, just like any of us would do, if God said to go do something, you got your hands together, I want to go out and I'm going to prophesy what God said to do. But as we saw before, Jonah does the exact opposite. He wants to get as far away from this assignment as possible. He doesn't want to see mercy come on the enemies of Israel. The people from Nineveh are Assyrian. We've run into the last couple of years. In fact, it, it embarrasses my son more. As I'm talking with different people, I will ask, now tell me, where, where is your home, like home country? Because he thinks that's so offensive. Oh, Dad, why would you say that? I just want, I'm, I'm interested. You know, I'm having a conversation. I'll run into people and they'll say, well, I, I, they'll say it like this. I'm, I'm a Syrian. Oh, yeah. You know about Assyrians? Oh, yeah, in the, the Old Testament. In the Bible, we'll talk a little bit about their nation. And a lot of them uh, nowadays are Christian, incidentally interesting, that are orthodox uh, in their view. But Assyrians, not Syria, that we think of Syrians, Assyrians. But Jonah doesn't want to go give them a word. But, you know, the Apostle Paul throws this out in Romans 10 that's important for us all to know and all to hear. And it says this, Romans 10, 14, and 15, he reminds us this, how shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without what? A preacher. Now in this situation, it's a prophet. This is a New Testament verse. How shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. You know, and I kind of highlighted it in my scripture, whom they have not believed. Here we have these Assyrians who obviously have not heard of the one true God. Their wickedness has taken over. We read this in the New Testament. They have not heard. They have been without, in this case, a prophet or a preacher. How can they hear unless somebody is sent to go? So when God sees this city, and he sees it as a great city, as a ripe opportunity... He's going to call out to his prophet that's right. He's, he's on the bench on deck ready to go. And he absolutely doesn't want to go. In fact, here's what I think Jonah thought. I'd rather Nineveh be overthrown and destroyed than for me even to go there and walk on their sand and soil. I'd rather of them all be destroyed. And in that case, I'm just going to go 2,000 miles away because I don't care about what's going to happen. But here's what happens. 
you would think God would say, okay, who's next? Right? But he's going to stay at Jonah. I love when I read that picture of he hurls the wind at him. But you notice in the story, nobody dies. You know, when, God, when God's in control of these type of situation, nobody dies, but he hurls this wind. You know, we've all seen movies of these guys, whether they're on fishing boats or they're on cruise liners, and that water just starts getting crazy and the ship starts breaking apart. I'm telling you, those, that ocean is so, so powerful. Well, that's what's taking place here with Jonah. But Jonah's not going to go. He's going to dig his feet in. But Jonah should have known because he would have studied the writings of David. He should have known Psalm 139, verse 7 through 10, because David said these exact words, and Jonah should have known it. It says this, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. Jonah should have known that. I can buy a fare, get on a boat, go the opposite way, but God's going to track me down. He's going to make sure that I finish this assignment because I'm the one he wants to send at that opportune time. Notice that disobedience always leads downwards. We can never lose the voice of the Lord speaking to our heart. I don't know how many times we use this now with our kids, but they were little, we would say this. We listen, and I don't know why we would use we, but we, all, we listen and obey on the first time. We listen and obey on the first time. I don't, I don't count. All right. One, two, anybody's parents ever do that? Three, 3.5, right? 3.75. My mom wasn't like that. There was never a two. It was one and then a hit. That was kind of how it was with whatever she could get, right? Three boys. You know, we listen and obey on the first time. You know, when the kids were little, little, and we would teach them no, we would do the sign language. No. Maverick would, uh, he was probably more adventurous, uh, little one, and he loved to throw Michelle's teacups and break them on the tile and crawl on, on things. He had fallen headfirst one day into the coffee table and split his head open, and uh, that was the start of his, you know, stitches. And so we always would teach them, no, don't get on the coffee table. No, don't go up the stairs. And he would go to the stairs and he'd turn and look at you. And so you'd go, no. Well, one day he went to the stairs as fast as he could. He turned and looked and I went, no, like that. And he looked at me and he went like this. And he went right up the stairs. <laughs> and you know what I did? I laughed, right? It was just one of those, you just laugh. But you teach them, listen and obey on the first time. How much more we need to hear that when God says something to us, that we listen and we obey on the first time. Okay, look at your neighbor, whoever's closest to you, and say, you know what, you need to listen and obey on the first time. Some of you laughed. 
Let me ask us a couple questions today. What about the Jonah in us sometimes? God will ask you to do things that you don't want to do. What's your response to him? As I started out with before, choose Hawaii or you're going to choose Mojave? Well, that's a quick decision. When God comes to you and asks you to do something that you don't want to do, many times and most times, that's exactly, it's not the right timing, it's not the right day, it's not the right time of day. You, we even use those Christian words, it's not the right time or season. But when God asks us to do something, we want to do it, even if we don't want to do it. I don't want to call that person. I don't want to sit and talk with them. I don't want to do that. I'm tired, I don't have time. God will always ask us to do something that we don't want to do. You can always find a boat that's sailing in the wrong direction, right? There's always a boat available. There's always a way out. There's always an Uber nowadays to get you out of a situation. There's always a way to get out. But I love what we see at the story. No, 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 God, because I would have just said, you know what, forget Jonah. He's out, right? We cut him off the team. He's no longer a prophet. I got the next one. There had to be another guy in line that we can tell, another lady, somebody to send out there. No, God wanted to get a hold of Jonah so that Jonah would watch and see God's heart for people that don't know him, haven't heard yet. But you'll always find somewhere to go in the wrong direction. And here's what I thought lastly. God will always deliver people of anything, in any way, and at any time. He is the true deliverer. He sees people whole. He sees those that are so bound up that we might look at and say there's no hope. God always sees hope. That's his heart. In fact, I was thinking of when we look at this, this Nineveh part, or even if we look at the world, the world, I was thinking of a few verses that Jesus mentioned. Let me read this, uh, Matthew 7, verse 13 and 14, out of the New Century Version. Now remember, this is God's planet, his world, his creation, his people. It's all his, right? He set all this up. He wants everyone to understand. He wants, he wants to have a relationship with everyone. And listen to Jesus' words. Enter through the narrow gate. The gate is wide and the road is wide that leads to hell. And many people enter through that gate. Wait, is that Jesus? Jesus didn't just say that, did he? Doesn't he mean his gate's wide? And the gate to hell is narrow? No, he's saying my, my gate is narrow. The gate of destruction to hell is wide. In fact, we read on and it says, but the gate is small and the road is narrow that leads to true life. Only a few people will find that road. Is that heartbreaking? That God doesn't want anybody on the wide road. But his gate is narrow. You know, the, um, uh, if you ever listened to Keith Green over the years, and he passed away, one of his songs talks about the great feast and that there was invitations sent out to the great, but the great didn't come, so he had to invite the small, the ones that were listening. 
God sees Nineveh, a great city, a wicked city, an immoral city, sacrificing children, are going a totally different direction. He wants them to have that opportunity. He wants to raise up Noah with a word over that city so that, yes, one or two things can happen. Repentance can happen, or as we mentioned before, uh, it will be a destruction of them. But we read this in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. Peter writes this down for us to get a picture of God's heart. He says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but He's long-suffering towards us. Everybody say long-suffering. Do you know one of the fruits of the Spirit is long-suffering? Do you confess that over yourself every day? I thank you, God, today that I'm going to be long-suffering, right? No, that's not one we think of. But if we're asked to be long-suffering, God wants to let us know something about his heart. He's long-suffering towards us. Listen to what it says. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God's heart is he sees these great cities and he sees the wickedness. It's come up before him, but you know what he's doing these days? He's long-suffering for all. He wants everybody to have an opportunity. But Jesus says these words, the gate to uh, salvation and the gate to everlasting life, life with him is narrow and the gate to hell is wide. But God is long Suffering. He wants to raise up Jonah to go speak an eight-word sermon. That's what it looks like. Maybe there was more. We just get eight words. Wouldn't that have been a good sermon today? I said eight words. We pray and we go home. No, no, no. Nobody say amen. <laughs> eight words. And a city repents. From the top to the bottom, they even make the animals fast. Right, and repent. And here's what's important about God. It's all about his timing. Because what God saw, there must have been an opportunity, whether it was the leadership or, or the climate or the culture or something happened, he always knew that it was timing. That the time was right and he would even stay on Jonah and hurl a storm and shake the boat and prepare a fish. And spit him out on land to get him to that city. Isn't it funny? He pays for a fare to go the other way. And the great fish spits him back where he's supposed to go. But God knew there must have been some window of opportunity. And that's my prayer for us today as we pray and close. That there are windows of opportunities in people's lives. And so when God sends us a word to arise and go... We've got to listen and obey on the first time. Bow your heads with me today. Lord, we stop and we think about family. We think of our children. Maybe there's nieces, nephews, grandkids, friends that we've known over the years. Coworkers, neighbors. Lord, we're around so many people throughout the day and throughout the week. 
Many of us have an opportunity to come across even strangers, and sometimes we ask questions that might embarrass others, but we ask just to start a conversation. Father, I pray that in our hearts that we would be people on mission, just like you wanted Jonah to be on mission, that there are opportunities for people to hear you. That like the Apostle Paul said, some, like him, plant, Apollos watered, but God gets the increase or the fruit or the abundance. But Lord, we stop and we still ourselves today to be sensitive of the people around us. That we remind ourselves of that fruit of the Spirit that is long-suffering. It's a fruit of the Spirit that's deposited in our spirits that as we come across people, that we use these windows of opportunity. That's your heart. That's your heart. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, this is your opportunity today. And I'd like all of us to repeat this prayer. Uh, in fact, just say it after me. And if you've never said this before, Pray it from your heart. Ready? Dear God, I believe in Jesus. I believe that he lived and that he died for me. But he rose again. I confess him as my Lord, as my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for bringing me into your family. Thank you for forgiving me of all my sin. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. And if you prayed that, or maybe you made a decision today to rededicate your life, please let us pray with you at the end of service. And uh, in fact, stand with me if you would for just a minute. We're going to close in a chorus of a song. Pray about windows of opportunities that God would place you at specific places for various, there's various reasons for that opportune time. You know, we're not just studying Jonah to study Jonah. We look at this to look at us, to look how Jesus responded. Let's close with this song today. And I worship you, oh.